the unseen is affecting us, whether we are conscious of it or not. Episode 15 with Shannon Ledford. Welcome to the Multidimensional Evolution Podcast with me, Kim McCall. The premise underpinning discussions on this podcast is that life extends beyond the physical dimension, that death is not the end of life, that we're all connected energetically with each other, both in the physical dimension and across dimensions, and that there is a purpose to our life that involves growth, healing, and assistance to each other. We will be having conversations to expand your consciousness, help you connect with your essential self, and live life as an integrated, multidimensional human being. But given the subject matters, I have a request. Don't believe in anything, including what is shared here. Experiment, do your own research, have your own experiences, and always use discernment. The musical introduction to this episode is by the Finnish fusion artist Axel Kessler. The song is called Reincarnation. My guest today is Shannon Ledford, who spoke with me from her home in the ancestral lands of the Tsalagi Cherokee in the mountains of western North Carolina near Asheville in the US. Shannon is a mother and an ancestral medicine practitioner trained in Daniel Four's method. We discuss what ancestral healing is and how we can all incorporate it into our life to make our life richer. We touch on the relationship between past lives and ancestors, how to distinguish healthy from unhealthy ancestors, and the relationship between place and our ancestral lineage. I loved hearing how Shannon's life is informed by her ancestors and how the healing of her blood lineages has been a potent and enlivening journey, and this really comes through in her passion for this work. This conversation took place against the background of an immense bushfire crisis shaking my home in Australia at the beginning of 2020, and we touch on how ancestral healing may also relate to that. I really hope this conversation inspires you to connect with your own ancestors. And Shannon, it is so lovely to see you today, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you about ancestral healing. Hi, Kim. I'm happy to be here with you. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about how to start this, and I, I, I would like to start just to give a bit of a context about what your work, you know, how it resonates for me, because I've um, only just discovered this it even exists, this idea of ancestral healing. Um, by seeing, uh, actually hearing a podcast of, uh, I believe, your teacher, Daniel Four, yep. talking. And um, so I guess if I talk a bit about the context for, for me, then that might give you some points to, to you know, speak to afterwards. Okay. So um, I started with, you know, discovering that there are people beyond the physical uh, quite a long time ago, probably 20, 25 years ago, that sort of opened up for me. But for most of that time, I really didn't res or I ne never even thought about it being ancestors. 
Um, they were, you know, spirits, extra physical consciousness, as I tend to call them now, um, of all different persuasion in places, um, you know, non-human, um, different racial backgrounds, if you want to call that that in, in the in the non-physical space. Um, and my own lineage didn't even enter my mind, you know. And then I came to Australia and I started working with Aboriginal people here. And quite early on, um, some of the the people I worked with would basically say to say to me and other other white fellas, you know, find out where you guys are from. Connect with your ancestors. Go back and and understand your land, and then maybe you can understand us. And that's kind of when it first really I went, oh, my ancestors, you know, I never really thought about them. And they were like, um, yeah, that sort of birth family lineage, you know, hadn't really entered my, my mind. And um, having started to connect with that, it's been a really interesting journey because it's really changed my um, uh, relationship even with my home country. So I'm originally from Germany. That's where I grew up. And um, since those ideas, those seeds were, you know, sort of um, sprouted in my mind and since I saw the way Aboriginal people connect to the land, when I go back to Germany, it's really changed how I see and experience the place and sort of what I look for in it as well. And so then I discovered that there's that whole, you know, discipline whether you call ancestral healing. And I thought, wow, that's fascinating. You know, I'd love to um, find out more about it. So, um, you know, feel free to say anything about that context that I just shared. And, and otherwise, mm -hmm. I would be really interested to to hear a bit about how you got into that work that you're doing. Yeah. Um... So let me just take a moment to presence uh, my people because um, you were talking about you, you come from Germany and so it sounds like your ancestry is German. Um, I have six great-grandparents that immigrated from Italy to the United States and then my other lineage is from um, the British Isles. So just to reference sort of yeah. what my background is with regard to that. Um, yeah. So I, like you, have had a relationship with spirit for a very long time. And in a, in a myriad of different ways, um, I was with a, a Vedic teacher for a long time, um, which has a, a Hindu feel to it. Um, they call Veda the underlying ancient knowledge under what modern day Hinduism looks like. Um, and so, yeah, I had been playing in arenas for a long time with spirits and deities and all of this. And there just always felt like to me, there was this variable that was missing. And so when ancestral medicine crossed my path, um, it sparked something, which is something that, you know, we got, I got sparked and I started to move in a direction and it made sense to me. It makes sense that I had been ignoring 
those, the ancestors that live right in my blood and bones in every cell of this being in a way that the deities and the affinity spirits and, um, you know, the four-legged spirits and the two-legged spirits, uh, the winged ones, that they didn't in the same way, right? It was like, it was almost like there was a fog around me that kept me from my relationship with even the bigger spiritual world because um, there was unwellness in my blood lineages. So it was almost like there was a fog that... And you hadn't really dived into that. You dived into more distant kind of things, but not actually gone into that, what's right in front of you, right inside of you, not right in front of you, but right embodied in you. Embodied. And I think we can tend to do that is look outside ourselves a lot. I think that's a tendency of our culture to look outside ourselves and not in. And so the ancestral medicine modality that I practice that um, Dr. Daniel Four is my teacher of, it's really a ritual technology. And it's a, it's a ritual technology that helps us first assess sort of what's going on with our actual lineages in spirit right in this moment. And then connect with those that are well on those lineages, the elevated, bright, vibrant ones, and asking them to heal what's between them and us. With the idea of one, our spirit lives on, right? And from this animistic way of that, we're all connected. And then that those of us of European ancestry, often for thousands of years, uh, our people have moved away from that animist earth connected lifestyle and away from ancestral reverence. So when you talk about being in Aboriginal communities um, and them being that the ancestor, the re- their relationship and reverence of that relationship with the unseen, their ancestors um, is really strong and tends to be um, not broken in the way that many of us of particularly European lineage have been um, broken and well, therefore re- disconnected. It's really at the center of life in Aboriginal culture. Right. Yeah. And I would say for most of us, it, way back in our lineages, it was at the center of their life too. Yeah. And what then goes on is all of these gifts and blessings that are our birthright from our people that actually live within us, we don't have access to the full extent of those because there's um, obstructions so they don't flow down to us. Mm. So there's a couple of things. I mean, there's quite a few things actually that I'd like to dive into from what you've just spoken about. Um, But before that, I just think it might be useful to get clear um, on, and you've already alluded to, but the paradigm in which you're operating. So you've already alluded to the fact spirit goes on, um, you know, spirits mm-hmm. lives beyond the physical. That's really the foundation for being able to connect with ancestors. But what other kind of, are there other kind of uh, branches? Like, for example, in your paradigm, do we have multiple lives um, and we, we, we get reborn? Um, um, 
it's more like our soul is composed of the materials of our people configured in uh, different ways in an iteration. Does that make sense? Like Um, it not being linear that like there's one soul that is me that will die and then never be reborn again or be reborn again exactly as I am. And instead that there are threads from ancestors um, that come together to make up what is me physically in this moment. There's also a soul that lives up in the stars and name souls. And it starts to get, um, there's some complexities to it. And so within the model that we use, we focus in on just the blood and bone of this moment mm-hmm. and how that came together in this physical world right now. Yeah. I kind of get the the way you just described it then, I almost get the feeling like it's the, the spiritual equivalent of your genetic coming together. You're coming to you say different ancestral lineages come together and create, you know, this being that's right now manifesting here is Shannon. Um, much like your body is composed of the heritage of countless right. generations. So, like I have a younger sister and we come from um, the same genetic material, if you will, with um, the same parents, the same parentage, right? Yeah. But we're very different. And so the u- the uniqueness of the way each of us was created, maybe that when it, when the dipper was dipped into our ancestral pool, she got a little more of this lineage and I got a little more of this lineage in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that the gifts are blessings from a particular lineage, say my mother's mother's lineage, show up in me, may be different than the way they show up for her. Yeah. Um. What about the notion, you just talked about the dipper, you know, like something was dipped in and then it comes up. Uh, What about the notion of choice that perhaps rather than there having been uh, kind of something dipped into this ancestral pool, there there is a consciousness that is choosing this is these are this is the combination that that I require for my growth, or this is the combination that where I want to bring healing, or you know whatever is the the motivation, and um, uh, that is why I'm choosing that lineage. Does that is that does that resonate in your framework, or is that a bit different? Yeah, no, that um, yeah, and and for me, from a Vedic framework around like karmic right? Like how karma comes together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think there's an important point around that um, each of us is an autonomous being and whatever gifts and blessings are flowing down to us, we can open up and receive those or not. And we get to choose too, right? So there's some of that going on also. It's a nuanced and complex thing. Mm. And I'm, I'm not sure that I fully understand it, to mm. be honest. Mm. Yeah. What I do know about this work 
in my lived experience is when I got connected and, and things started to heal, I had a deeper sense of belonging in myself and a really deep sense of how resourced I am by my people, mm. by my ancestors. Yeah. And I, I think there's an important qualifier here. When, I, when I'm speaking of ancestors, those are the well ones, yeah, right? The, the, the vibrant, elevated ones. Um, that section I was talking about between what's the collective well ones on a particular lineage, my mother's mother's lineage, and then those sort of obstructions between them and me, those generations, um, they're, they're ghosty energy. And what can, and what's going on is often is that they're up in our space, whether we're conscious of them or not and creating, um, sometimes havoc. Yeah. Often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well, I was going to ask you, cause you mentioned, you know, gifts and blessings quite a few times and, um, which is actually really valuable to hear that because I, I, I believe my sense is that one of the reasons a lot of European Europeans are perhaps closed off to their ancestors is because we carry a lot of shame and um, have a strong sense of an inheritance that isn't so full of gifts and blessings. When we think about the colonial history of our ancestors and the, the, the many wars that were fought and, you know, as a German, obviously we have, some of the the high kind of the epitomes of, of of evil, if you want, um, when people think about the third the third Reich. Sure. Um, so there's a there's that aspect, yeah. Yeah. That, so your lineages also carry burdens. And so I'm guessing the ancestral healing is precisely around connecting with the well ones to heal. The, yeah. Those, one of the, the most beautiful. Yeah, one of the most beautiful things for me is that once getting in relationship with the well energy, you really are a catalyst for their work to heal what's between them and you. That sort of ghosty energy that yeah. I that I didn't have to do a lot of the work. None of the work, really. I mean, my questions to them were like, are there things I can be doing here on this plane and offering, adding something to the altar? to um enhance your work but it wasn't me getting in there to do it because they know a lot better than we do mm. and so one of those premises those foundational premises is those in spirit can change a lot more quickly than those of us with bodies because they don't have bodies to contend with just the way as an individual we change, like I can change a lot more quickly than an institution does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, even that, that's freedom. an important thing too. Yeah. There's right. even greater freedom on the, on the non-physical dimension. That's right. And so it's also that all of us have well ancestors. You may have to go far back to connect with them. Mm. But yeah, there. I was going to ask you about whether there is a distinction between the recently deceased ancestors and those that are, you know, a hundred generations back or 
who knows how far. In your work, is there... So, for example, in, in Aboriginal culture, it's very interesting that the recently deceased people, you don't really you don't really go there because you don't know how they might still be grieving, suffering from their, their, their death. Um, to, the, to the extent there's name avoidance, people don't get named um, quite often for a certain time so as not to evoke them. Um, but then the older generations, they are the people that you, the, that you draw on very actively. Yeah, so um, when we start the work, we very much focus on what we call your four primary lineages. So your father's father's people, your father's mother's people, your mother's mother's people, your mother's father's people. Then there's an assessment to see how each of those lineages is in spirit in the moment, in this moment in time. And there's an assessment for that, right? Like on a one to 10 scale, right? It all becomes very linear in a, uh, in a field that actually uh, is curvy in a lot of ways. But mm. there's, there's, there needs to be this way of um, the ritual technology to organize it a bit so that we can get at the thing, the heart of the thing, right? The core yeah. of the thing. And I really would like to know more about your ritual technology. So this is an interesting part, this, this assessment. Mm -hmm. How do, yeah. how, do you, how do you make this assessment about whether people are well or not? Yeah, so the first thing is we drop into ritual space, right? And so if you and I were coming together for this initial assessment, um, I'd ask you to close your eyes and come into your body, right? Find that centered and rooted place in your body today, and you'd let me know that you were there and ask you to call in at least one of your known and helpful guides, one that you already trust, and you feel their presence, just let me know. And when they're on board, asking them to create an extra layer of protection around you. Okay? And so now we're in this ritual space together, right? And I've already called in my people to help hold the space. And then I would walk you through first looking at your father's father's lineage and just pulling back what I call the curtain, right? To mm -hmm. look through a two-way mirror because it's not about interacting with them in this first moment. It's really a triage moment mm. of just assessing on a one to 10 scale, you know, with one to three being really troubled. You wouldn't want your kids around them. You wouldn't invite them to the house. Four to six being like, yeah, they're not, they're not real well, but you know, they're sort of. You could have you them know. over a cup of tea or something. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you'd have them at your front porch, but maybe not down to your kitchen table, you know? Yeah. Like, and then yeah. those seven to tens that are like vibrant and well. And then we really, I really see each lineage as um, its own collective energy. And so when you're at a point where the lineage is healed, any one, any individual within the lineage can wear the mask of the lineage to interact with you. Mm. And it's safe because there, there is a certain level of elevation and wellness at that point, right? Um, that's another thing I love about this is, and I haven't spoken to this yet, is the ritual safety of it. Yeah. Like of not interacting with that ghosty energy. And I think... Um, ancestors are a little bit of a hot topic at the moment. And sometimes when we just sort of dive in, 
you like uh, that ghosty energy can start to even get more uh, active. And so we also, during that initial assessment, um, create boundaries with anything that's not well in this moment. Mm. So just to be clear, when you say ghosty energy, you're referring to kind of a, a negative energy, something that's a bit unpleasant, a bit murky, a bit dense. Um, is that right? Or It's a dead on that lineage that has not been welcomed into that well energy. That like is just disconnected from it. Okay. Yeah. And yes, it can be causing havoc. Uh, a lot of the time it's just um, feeding in the wrong spot. Like it's pulling energy from you instead of being in this well energy where there's, you know, this abundance of stuff, it just, it's disconnected from that. And you've got generations of disconnected. Mm. And so often a something along the way has happened for that first disconnection. And then you have some generations that are disconnected. And then you can have some generations that are real well, like you can have some eights right here and then maybe it falls off again. So yeah. yeah. Um, it's important to acknowledge that there are malicious energies out there. Most often those ghosty um, dead are just, again, feeding in the wrong spot and haven't yeah. and don't have a way to get to their. So it's more, more, place. more someone who's confused, maybe suffering trauma, suffering some kind of disconnection rather than, someone who's out there to to get you or to you know cause you deliberate harm they might they might cause you harm but it's not really what they're wanting to do as a yeah and and those that are malicious is it's, it's a different thing yeah 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 and we run across those energies yeah. and it's important to acknowledge that they exist yeah but a lot of what's going on is yeah yeah and um uh so just I'd like to go back to that assessment when you make that assessment uh, do the, does a person need to know anything about their lineage? You know, do they need to have names of great-great-grandparents? No, no. You're just feeling into the space. Right. Um, anything you know is fine, but I've worked with people who are adopted and beginning with their blood lineages versus their adoptive lineages, right? And they may know nothing about the, their birth parents. Yeah. And we often start though with that blood and bone with the, with the birth parents, even without any knowledge. And then you can, um, for adoptees, you can then work on your adopted lineages. And so you end up with just more resourcing and more beautiful ancestors to, to resource you. So yeah, the, the knowledge of genealogy is, um, not, I want, I want to say irrelevant, but in some ways, yeah. And in some ways, those of us who do have a lot of knowledge can attach expectations to particular lineages. So like sure. say what you know about your father's father's people, about your great grandfather, all of a sudden that sort of comes into your consciousness as you're looking at the lineage and can, um, yeah, create expectations about what you're going to see there. And yeah. so for, for an adoptee without that, or for someone who does, just doesn't have any uh, knowledge of the genealogy, yeah. Hmm. 
you don't have those uh, expectations to come in. And um, and so the, the the impression I got when you talk about the ritual space, the way I the way I um, I guess conceptualize it or kind of what comes up for me is that it's a space where you're creating kind of a doorway to other dimensions, to to an awareness uh, and an opening to sensitivities by going inwards. Right. So uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean. Because when I hear the word ritual, you know, I often think about incense and chanting and those kinds of things. But that's, I mean, it might be part of it. But from what you've said so far, it's more really about just being conscious, connecting, tuning in, um, and and approaching approaching a space that we normally don't pay much attention to with with awareness and consciousness. Yeah, when I talk about ritual space, um, another way to frame it is like intentional container. Mm. An intentional container to do this work, to connect with the well one, to work, to heal. Yeah. Yeah. And actually at, at the point where we can say a lineage is healed, right. And then you sort of send those blessings out. That's really just the beginning in a lot of ways. Then you just have access to more of the gifts and how you can better show up uh, for me, a white, cisgendered, able-bodied um, woman, whatever privilege that carries in this world, I am now not clouded by all this ghosty energy. I have a uh, more backing to fall into like, how can I use that better, right? Like more in benefit to the whole world. Yeah. And, and, and then there's just more of that. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah Some really. of that cultural trouble that comes up in, mm. that's in all of our societies. And really, really bringing awareness to your whiteness in this case, for example, because so many of us as white people don't even carry awareness of the fact what that means and the heritage. Yeah, it's innate to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually, I actually wanted to go back. I was just curious the um, the, the the process that you developed that you talked about. Actually, what is the origin of this? So, I mean, you learned it from Daniel, mm -hmm. Dr. Daniel Four, but uh, where, where where's its where's its roots? Are they in some tradition? No. They're not in a specific tradition. Daniel has worked in a number of traditions. Um, but this particular method like came from his people. Right. So Daniel has worked with um, Serangarel, who was a uh, Mongolian shaman. He has been in Islamic communities. He's been in Buddhist communities. He's an Ifa priest um, as well. Um, Which is an African tradition? Yeah, it's a West African tradition. Yeah. Um, but so like, for instance, it doesn't come out of a West African tradition um, the West Africans, like the Aboriginal people that you spoke about at the beginning of this, um, they don't need this work so much because they're in connection and reverence and maintenance of these relationships. There's not a lot of disconnect for them often. And I'm not going to make, I'm not going to overly presume that, but, um, yeah, like from the, from his, from the stories from his West African tradition, they are so entrenched in ancestor 
reverence and maintenance of those relationships that um, they they don't even really know what we're talking about when we're talking about ghosts in the way that I talked about them today. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, us is again, and it can happen all over the world in, in all kinds of ethnicities. Um, Us as Europeans uh, have a particular um, great amount of sludge in the, in the works. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and it's really interesting that so so that uh, this process has developed um, to to assist specifically our condition, in a sense. Yeah, and um, my clients and Daniel's students they come from all over the world, and so it's yeah. it's not. I don't want to make it really clear that it's not just targeted at those of us of European ancestry, um, but yeah, yeah, and so. Um, how do you practically, so once you've, you've gone through your initial assessment and you've kind of worked out, maybe stay clear of your mother's father's lineage for a while until, uh, you know, I don't know how it works, but I'm just imagining that. Yeah, yeah, but, no, so. But you can, but you can really draw on, on her, on her, on her mother's lineage. Um, they'll, you know, they'll come and support you and they're in a good space. Um, yeah. then how do you move forward? Yeah. So part of that assessment is then deciding which lineage to work with first. And so um, Daniel has talked about that when he was early on, because he's been developing this over the last 20 years, um, he'd be like, get in there and work on the lineage that's the most troubled. Um, And after a few years, he realized, actually, (laughs) starting with a, uh, a lineage that's less troubled and um, working with that guide and the well ones there to heal up whatever is troubled, they then resource you as you move to the next lineage. So that's really the, the ultimate goal of that initial assessment is to decide which lineage to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, s- survey the landscape and then decide which lineage to begin with. And then while making sure that those boundaries with anything else that isn't well on the other lineages are, are being held, you do um, begin, go back to a well one to connect on the lineage you've chosen. So if that's your, um, for me, it was my father's mother's people. It was the grandmothers there. And then how does this connection, what does this connection look like for you in a practical way? Um, it's connecting, um, it's, it's asking one to step forward, right? It's asking one of, it's like setting that. So you, you're in this ritual container. You're asking one of the well ones to step forward and then ensuring that they are in fact, a ancestor on the lineage, that they're willing and able to assist in the repair, that they're well connected to the ones before, um, and then like receiving a blessing from them and just getting in relationship with them the same way as the person you just met at the coffee shop. It's not that different mm. actually. Um, we're, and so then there's a deepening over time of that relationship. And is that does that happen 
um, to, to, to deepen the relationship, you know, if you meet someone in a coffee shop or you can send them a text or you can, you know, touch up again over a drink or dinner and so on, when you connect with your ancestor, then the next, like on your, in, 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 your daily, in your daily life. So there's, you know, so different forms of connecting that, creating that ritual space. But also other ways, you know, what other ways would there be to, or are there other ways to connect with them? Absolutely. And the idea behind it is not that I am some sort of conduit between you and your people. As a practitioner, I'm just holding space for you to connect with your people and get into relationship with them. It's nice when someone else holds the space. There's there's this um, ability maybe to go deeper because you're not holding the space for yourself so much. Mm. And that I would be there as um, a bit of ritual safety as well, right? Yeah, In case someone else comes through who maybe isn't right. so well. That's sort of lifeguarding thing, right? You get underwater a bit and I'm there to sort of hold you up yeah. in, in those moments. Um Yeah. And so what it can look like is what's really interesting is that you really let your ancestors um, run the process, right? So asking them what you can do to just um, deepen the connection with them. Are there things you can do? And so um, I have an ancestor altar. I ask them if there's things that they want on there, right? Um, I drop in with my people in the morning and in the evening. That's just sort of the way I do it. But you start to find a rhythm with them just the way you may have any different lineages because they're all very unique and personal and they have personalities of their own. So my father's father's people and my father's mother's people are very different. And even like my Mother's father's people, my father's father's they're very different and they feel very different and their gifts and blessings are different and their burdens are different. Um, it's actually one of the ways that the work feels real to me is that they're, they are so uniquely themselves, mm. right? And the, it's not just all the lineage. These are just the ancestors, right? Um, yeah. And so just the way you have some friends you talk on the phone with, maybe you'd like pick up the phone and call them up and other friends, you know, you've got more of a texting relationship with, that's the way you interact with them. Yeah. Um, but it is about showing up. Yeah. And so when you tune in at your altar, um, you, I think you said you, morning and evening, you kind of check in. Is it yeah. kind of like it, uh, what came up to my mind and I actually don't know much about it, but I, I, I believe in Chinese culture, there's a, there's a quite a strong tradition around having a family or there used sure. to be, I don't know if it's still there, but to having a family shrine where you literally, you know, you have a meal, you put a little bit there as an indication, this is for the ancestors and you um, talk, yeah, to and there have been, talk there and is it a bit Yeah, like- there have been times when they want me to put food and there's times when they want me to put wine that they like to have water all the time. That's just mine. And so, again, it's very unique to you and yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's, it feels important, actually, not to get really dogmatic about it. And trusting and listening to my people has been just a huge blessing. 
like learning to trust and really listen to them. When I show up with them now, because my primary lineages are healed, I often start with, hi, I'm here. We're together. I like sort of call them in and attune to that, to them and say, what have you got for me today? I'm listening. And if I have a thing to bring to them, if there's something up, right? Um, if something's going on with my six-year-old daughter that I'm feeling like I'd like to bring to them, I say, hey, look, there's this thing. Do you have any support and guidance around that? And then I listen. And for me, just on just for who I am, it's important for me not to come with expectations of what they're going to say or do or tell me. Yeah. Because that just gets in the way and that has it's been a it's been a place for me to practice that over and over and over again and um i i i think we have different everybody well there's many different ways in which we can attune ourselves to and hear uh messages from from the non-physical people How, how does that happen for you do you have ideas you know do you write things down and and um I'm pretty sentient. So I sort of feel it. Uh, and sometimes I see it. Um, a lot of people, um, the ancestors really come to them in their dreams, mm-hmm. right? And bring the messages in the dreams. That's never really been my way. Although I will say, now that I am in deeper relationship with my ancestors, I remember my dreams a lot more often from almost never to huh, on, on, a, on a regular rhythm maybe not nightly, but like on a more regular rhythm. And so, yeah, they can bring them that way. Um, actually, you'd sent me an article. And so I think this speaks to it a little bit about, because um, we're speaking at a time when Australia has been having some really awful fires. Yeah. Um, and we've been yeah. thinking, I've been thinking about you a lot. I grew up in California where they've also had awful fires. A lot of big not, fires, yeah. Yeah, a lot of big fires, not, not to the extent of what Australia has been experiencing. But you sent me an article of the picture that I believe Rose Fletcher took of the sky with the black smoke above and then the sun coming up and the red down below that um, was was the Aboriginal flag, really. I mean, it was the symbolism of it. Another way that I get messages is around what I call echo backs. So... They'll bring me, I'll bring them a something, they'll, they'll tell me, and then I'll start to see or hear things about it. And so the flag is one of those echo backs around looking at getting back to that more earth-connected place that we've all been, Right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, the way I think it was said in that article, and that's the way that I think quite a lot of, um, well, Aboriginal people and people who've got some connection with Aboriginal culture, at least, uh, interpret, interpret that symbolism, um, and perhaps even the whole event with the fires is that it reflects a lack of, um, our connection and listening to the ancestors of this particular land since colonization. Right. Um, so it's really 
talking about ancestors, there's really these physical repercussions occurring in some way linked to 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 the treatment of the ancestors. Does that resonate with your? Yeah, in some ways, yes. It's um, so. For instance, because while a number of generations have lived here in the United States, right, of my people now, um, but these aren't my ancestral lands, right? These are the ancestral lands of the Native Americans. I'm in Canada, the First Nations, and I'll show you about the original yeah. people. Um, what I have found for me is that being in connection and deep relationship with my ancestors now, I ask them to be emissaries for me at times with the spirits of this land in which I live. I live near Asheville, North Carolina. This is occupied land of the Salagi Cherokee people. And so there's a way in which, because I'm in deep relationship with my, with my ancestors, they can be emissaries or, um, and create introductions with the spirits of the land here. And in some ways that gives me, if you let me use this street cred with them, right? That I'm in relationship with my people and my people and everybody's people may do this differently. My people will say, we come to you here with our granddaughter, Shannon. We're, she's here on these lands and she would like to, to meet you. We would like to introduce you to her. She comes with our blessing. We come in reverence to honor you. We're here to listen to what you are asking of us as we occupy this land. Mm. And that can be with ancestors of place and of land. It can be with um, my spiritual lineage ancestors. It can be with um, some of my colleagues um, have a really strong queer lineage. And so it can be with their queer ancestors. You know, the uh, one of my colleagues calls those the transcestors, right? And so there's a, a you know, and it can be um, those of your lineage of um, path and purpose too, like of, uh, of career or calling. Like there are a lot of different lineages but something about having a deep relationship with the people that live in my blood and bones and cells opens up a deeper relationship with all of those others too. Yeah, I, I really relate a lot to that because I, I feel that the more, as I said at the beginning, you know, once I started connecting with my own ancestry, it's not only changed my relationship to my my place of origin but it's also changed my relationship to here and really to 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 two people who relate to ancestors yeah very much so the other place that i really find it showing up is um doing the work with my people and getting relationship with them also has changed my relationship on this plane with living family and many of us have a lot of things that come up around living family <laughs> and those relationships with my father and with my sister have changed in ways that I couldn't have even anticipated. And I'm glad I didn't have expectations of how it would look. And it's better in a and, lot of ways. And, and do you, are you able to sort of point to what it was that healed 
that that made it that shifted those relationships this is the way that uh so the way that i experience it is this um before getting in relationship with my people I talked about that fog that can be there, the sort of ghostiness. It sort of keeps us in this really small space, you know, like where there's only two or three dance steps. And so in those relationships, you know, with our living family, it can be like two or three dance steps that we keep doing over and over, right? That maybe aren't that great. When that fog lifts a bit, there are just choices we're still each autonomous beings and we get to choose whether to step into that space or not. But having that space be clearer for me, just let me realize what those opportunities were. And on an energetic level, they did too, even though they're not familiar with what I'm doing. Yeah. But you, you brought a shift and like you said, you brought a different energy. That's right which often opens doors for other people. Yeah. Yeah. And it just creates space. And with space, things can shift. Yeah. Again, and because of who I am, it was just super important for me not to have expectations about how it would shift or how it would look in order for it to be um, successful or Mm. real or all of those things. Right. It's been a big learning around all of this for me. Um, you mentioned dreams and ancestors coming in dreams. Does your a lot of uh, people listening to this podcast, uh, you know, study out of body travel, um, out of body mm-hmm. experiences? Does that feature as a tool? Because that's say within a lot of indigenous cultures, that is a key way in which people can have direct access to the ancestors and meet them and talk to them and bring information back. It can be. Um, it's not the way I experience it. So I can't speak to it in a really, um, embodied way. Cause that's not my experience of it. Yeah. It, it's, it's just not the way I get messages, but it is the way some of the people I work with and some of my colleagues definitely get messages that way. Yeah. 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 For me to go too much in depth with it is like talking about someone else's experience. Yeah, exactly. And so no, that's it, like, good. that's good too. Yeah. And this is one of the, one of the uh, really things that I value and I emphasize with this podcast is about is experience and speaking from experience and pursuing our own experiences and, you know, understanding ourselves from that. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, you've got your way of connecting and that's, and that's what works. So yeah. Um, You've kind of alluded to that, but I'm I'm still uh, curious uh, because there is quite a lot of uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Ian Stevenson or um, I forget his first name Tucker psychologist who did a lot of research on reincarnation um, mm-hmm. stories and and um, so they they've documented thousands of cases often from kids who record who remember their previous lives and. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the patterns that emerges from that, which makes a lot of sense to me as an anthropologist, is that especially in indigenous cultures, um, people are often reborn within families, uh, within uh, certainly within the community, if not the exact family. And um, I, I 
expect, I don't know if there's been the research on that, but I expect the same would apply for a lot of a lot of us, certainly at a time when our family structures were stronger and we had, you know, the Irish clans and the, the, yeah. the, the royal family, whatever, all those lineages which, where they were valued all across the world, really. Um, so what do you think of that idea of us potentially having been our own ancestors? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. Yeah, that, yes. Um, I'm just thinking of the, I'm just sort of feeling into like, is there something more nuanced about it that I, that feels important to say? Yeah, it goes back to a little bit of that dipper thing, right? Like we're dipping in and yes, we're our ancestors and yeah, time's curvy and we're probably living multiple lifetimes right now too with with in different dimensions and yeah it goes back to me for me to that resource thing again right and i just keep touching back to it because it's been the really important shift of this like getting the resources of finding yourself more resourced in your life yeah by them in every cell of this body so that I can better understand and step one step forward into what I'm here to do. That ghosty energy keeps us from that a lot and often will shift us toward things, uh, towards uh, Orbs of power that are within the structures that, as they exist right now, right? Mm. Um, so if you think of, just an example, like colonialism, right? And that colonial energy that is this really powerful orb. Sometimes we get pulled into that by that ghosty energy. Quite, un- quite unconsciously, for, yeah. Quite unconsciously. That the unseen is affecting us whether we are conscious of it or not. It, it just is. Yeah. It's, not, yeah, yeah. it's not different from this world in so many ways. Um, and so many cultures believe that it's really just one, right? Like separate and one, both and. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. No, and as you're talking, I, I really get that that sense. And you've said it before, but as you're talking now, I'm really getting the 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 sense how we're how much we're part of that collective field in that space, um, and why that makes it so important to really connect with the healthier aspects of that collective field. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah, because there's a lot of power being sucked into the the less healthy aspects it creates a lot of um you know what we're dealing with in the way of you know all kinds of calamities all you know the colonialism and the racism and the climate change and all these things are connected yeah Yeah. and what about ancestors who aren't ready to heal how do you manage how do you work with with those Your well ones handle it. 
So yeah, the, the part of the process that I didn't talk so much about is that once you connect with your, the well guide and they're well connected to this collective energy um, of that lineage, you ask them to create a healing container between them and the last person on that particular lineage who passed. So I started with my father's mother's people. The last person to pass on that lineage was my grandmother. So they all get into this. Yes. The well ones to create this healing container for them and to heal it up. And can there be ones that, um, that can dig their feet in some? Sure. And then when you go back in with them, you ask, are there those at the far end of the container, the, the spot near the guide that are ready and healed enough to come be welcomed into the well energy? The idea is to, that the well energy gets bigger on the lineage and that healing container eventually gets smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually grandmother's welcomed and then there is yeah. no more healing yeah. container. Yeah. <laughs> And so I just I just had this image of this one grumpy uncle sitting in the healing container until eventually they're, <laughs> they're brought yeah, out. Yeah, and so if that's going on, um, first of all, the well ones know best how to deal with it, better than us. And there can be a question of, is there anything I can do here to just help you with the healing process? Yeah. And maybe it's like, you know, that uncle loved cigars and throwing some cigars up on the on the altar or burying them in the ground or pouring out a bottle of his great wine, whatever it is. Often the uncles don't end up in this because um, they get their blessings later. But it's very interesting that you said that because on my father's father's lineage, um, my grandfather would have been the last one to have passed and then it would have been, you know, my father. But my uncle, who was very close with my father, um, and they were born on the same day, two years apart, had passed about eight years before I started doing this work. And so when the when I was working with the ancestor on this lineage and we were doing this uh, healing container, he just said, and we're going to put your uncle in there because if we don't, he's going to create havoc outside. <laughs> it's going to be distracting and not beneficial for anyone. So we're just going to loop him in. Um, and he was a delightful. I knew him very, very well. Um, he passed when I was in my thirties and, um, <laughs> so here he was and we're at the end of that healing container and he's being welcomed into the well ones. And he looks at me and he says, what took you so long? And like, this is a gentleman who had been gone at that point for like eight or nine years, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like eight and a half years. And like, there's all of these ancestors of this lineage that have been gone since the 1200s, right? And so, yeah. And that's sort of who he was too. And it was delightful. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and while there's a seriousness to this work, it's also fun. Like, I think sometimes culturally we think spiritual stuff has to be really serious. And there are moments for that. But like getting to know your people, getting in relationship with them. Often, yeah, I have lineages that are feisty and fun. I have lineages yeah. that are more stoic. And like, I even have 
the lineage that I would have told you, like I would have told you my father's father's lineage because my grandfather was more stoic, um, would be more stoic. They are not. While my mother's father's people, where he was a bit of a, um, he was a bit of a partier, that grandfather, the grandfather that I knew, right? Her father. Yeah. Um, that particular lineage is quite stoic and like quite, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's And so, yeah, sometimes it's surprising from what we know of these really later generations, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I, I completely agree. It's There's a lot of lightness to connecting with um, the non-physical world. You know, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of um, putting, our, putting, putting our life into perspective kind of thing where you sometimes, yeah, there's, there's a lot of laughter and all that. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes they come in and they, I like to say they school me, right? Like I bring us something and it's like, no, Shannon, Yeah. <laughs> how about this, this, and this? <laughs> or like, you think it's about this, but really think about it like this. <laughs> like, like they bring a lot of that. And sometimes it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a smackdown too. So yeah. it's, got, it's got all of it, just the way yeah. our relationships here have. Yeah. Sometimes with my best friend, she brings some really stark truth that I need to hear. And sometimes we just laugh. Yeah. It's not different. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really important take-home message, I think. It's not that different. No. Yeah. There's, there's another point that feels important to address around that it's not that different is that um, I think sometimes what can happen is like, oh, spirit says a thing and therefore I have to do it. And like with my people, if – they bring a thing like if I say, oh, what, what can I do to like, um, you know, deepen this connection and they bring a thing that I'm unwilling to do. I say to them, actually, I'm not willing to do that. Is there something else? Right. And it, it can be like, you know, like an extreme example. This isn't one from my particular lineage, but like, oh, go kill a chicken and, and give it over as sacrifice. Right. Um, and I'm like, oh, no, um, I'm not willing to do that. So what else mm. can I do? It's important. I find it important to not agree to do something that you won't do. Like if you're going to commit to something you need with them, it's important to do it. But sometimes we get into this like, oh, spirit says it, so I have to. Right. And like the chicken example is a little extreme, but it's important well, people that do we're that. autonomous. People, people do exactly that, right, with the chicken. I mean, that's a, quite a common offering in a lot of cultures um, still. Yeah, and, and that's not to say that I'm not devaluing that in any way. Like, if that's within your culture, great. For me, on a day-to-day basis, it's just not. And that's... Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, 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 uh, I guess I do have some – goes back to that question of whether ancestors are well or not. Right, and um, I, I suppose I think oh, if, yeah. if, if <laughs> I had if I had ancestors requesting some kind of living sacrifice, I would question whether their ancestors I want to um, hang around with too much at this stage. That's where I'm at, right? Right. Um, sometimes it's just a different I- difference in um, time in which you live. Right, like in their time, that might have been just fine. Sometimes yeah. you have to remind them too of like, oh, this is really intense for me. I still have a body. I need you to turn this down. 
like what you're bringing right now is really intense. I need you to turn it down a bit so that I can take it in. Mm. Right. And so like, it's important to be in our autonomous selves and be able to ask for that. Yeah. And often it's, it's not my experience that if I say, Oh, I'm, well, that's not really in the realm of what I can do. Is there something else? Um, often it's not like they're angry or mad or demanding about it. They're like, Oh, well, yeah, this could look like this instead. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Right. It, bringing it both of us in this like respectful, reverent way. Yeah. 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 And there's times like, so my the guide on my mother's father's lineage, his ask was that I prostrate myself in front of him. It was hard at first. To be before I trusted that particular lineage, right? To get vulnerable and, and do that. In, you know energetic ritual space Mm. and how did that what did that bring up for you Mm. all of that being asked to be submissive that can be asked of women in a uh, in a patriarchal society with a power dynamic that doesn't work very well for uh yeah, for women at in, in times. And as you went through it, how did that process? Did you did was, at first? I said no. And so we, yeah, I just said I can't. He said okay. No, he shows up with like a. He's like way, way back. And he's got like a bear head on and a staff and like, um, but over time I could feel his and the collective love for me and, um, the genuineness of this ask not to destabilize me but so that they could share their gifts and blessings with me. So like my story was around, like I do this and I'm giving up my power. It's destabilizing for me, all of these things. And those are, those are my things from this lifetime, from ancestral traumas, from all the things. Yeah, I mean, it's all of it. It's a a collective thing as well that you carry, as like you said, as a woman, you know, with the history of male, female. Yeah. From the culture, from my conditioning, from this lifetime, from many, 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 many lifetimes, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But then it opened up something something different. It did. Um, and now, actually, when I'm attuned to them and he's the guide that comes forth, I'm not asked to do that. Sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. And it's all fine. But yeah, there's there's these things we work through. It helps us work through some of what's going on with us, right? Because like that's that's mine. 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it's a great. I thought story. about that in a while. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and look, we're almost out of time, but I I would just like to. Uh, maybe as a final thing to ask about, well, it's just two final things. <laughs> so the first, <laughs> the first final thing is the, the question of emplacement because um, that is such a fundamental aspect to Indigenous cultures here at least that specific ancestors are linked to specific places and it's very particular. Um, mm. And there's a lot of strength that comes from that. Um, like there's many many remarkable stories of of healing that people experience when they go back to their ancestral places um people aboriginal people have been displaced maybe lived in cities and they finally come back to their ancestral places and it's very profound and um yeah so i, I guess i was curious whether place comes into your process as well So I ended up on ancestral pilgrimage in Italy in September. Okay. Um, for a couple of weeks, just me. Just me on the lands of my people, um, seeing the towns where my great-grandparents grew up, finding their birth records, like just this reconnection. But it was also a reconnection with the spirits of their land. Yeah where they had tread, where that severing had happened. Um, so while it isn't that anyone has to do that, after healing my lineages, I was really called to do that and then privileged enough to have the financial resources to make that happen, right? I think we need to speak to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was profound. And actually, for me, what it has brought up is um, my people are very clear, especially having six great-grandparents that um, immigrated from Italy, <coughs> that that severing, and, and from northern Italy, all six of them, that there is a pathway or a bridge that's been severed and that um, part of my work is to uh, weave that back together. And part of the way I'm going to do that now is that I am working on getting dual citizenship in Italy. And it just, the impetus behind it is to weave that bridge back, right? Because now we've had a number of generations here in the United States too. And so, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing to be asked. Um, and so that process, I'm very entrenched in that process right now. And it looks like my daughter and I will live in Italy this summer mm. as part of that. Yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah. Well, that's awesome that you are, and that, as you say, you're able to, to follow that calling. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've asked them also to help bring the resources for that too, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I was called back and I, I think that happened, that can happen for people. And again, um, feeling deeply grateful that there was the, the, 
so that I could spend the time and the energy and the money to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. And so <laughs> two final questions. There's an there's an old an old lady looking over your shoulder. I'm seeing in your room on the mm. on the photograph. Is that uh, uh, one of your ancestors or? No, I was a um, I was a travel photographer all over the world, oh, okay. and um, that that woman is from northern India. Yeah. What's interesting about that image is that um, it's in a marketplace in Kalimpong, which is northern in northern India, and there's a woman walking right behind her that is that could have been her younger self right. and so um i like to think that was many years before i found this work but um that's one of the it things spoke to that, that yeah uh -huh. okay yeah 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 lovely and so if someone um listening to this podcast you know has their interests kind of peaked to connect with their own ancestral lineage um, obviously, they can connect with you and other practitioners uh, who work online. Um, but just if someone just in their own time and space, you know, wants to take a first step, is there any guidelines, any, any guidance you would give someone in that position? Yeah, to just be intentional about the ritual safety of it to not open up a bit of a Pandora's box, right? And so there are numbers of, number of ways to connect with the work. Daniel's written, Daniel Four has written a book called Ancestral Medicine. You can connect with that. Um, there are a number of practitioners of the work, um, myself included, that do one-on-one -on -one sessions. Daniel runs online courses. So there are a number of ways to interact with this particular modality regardless of the modality that brings you to your people, um, just to be conscious of it having a, a, a safe, a ritual safety component to it. Yeah. 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 yeah so, right. so that it doesn't flood you in ways that just create more trauma. Mm. Yeah. That sounds like really great guidance. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. It was really lovely. I appreciate getting an insight into into your work, um, and yeah, it really. As you were talking, and you know, I was making a lot of connections, and I feel it's uh, it's really important work that you do. So, thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun today. I really hope you got some value out of today's episode. If you did. Why not leave a positive review on iTunes and share it on social media to help others find it? The tune Seeing Us Out is another one from Axel Teslev. This one is called Akasha. You can find more information about today's guest on my website, multidimensionalevolution.com, including any links to their work and their contact details. On my website, You'll also find my blog and information and reviews about my book, Multidimensional Evolution, which you can purchase in any good bookstore if you want to show your love for this show and get practical info for your own exploration of consciousness. Finally, please get in touch, whether it is to ask questions, share experiences, or suggest guests and topics. 
I always love hearing from people, as I believe it is through sharing with each other that we can all grow together. Until then, or until you tune in again, I am sending you my very best energies. <laughs>